Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's got to 2-2 and we've still got more than half an hour to go. And here's Ozil. Lacazette. Ozil! Go! Hello and welcome to another Touchy Gooners podcast. It's your boy Dan Coogs on hosting duty today and I'm joined by my good friend Sean, SB Carboholic. How are you doing? Yes, bro. All good, man. All good. I'm actually all right, man. All right, in spite of the fact we lost yesterday. Mm. But yeah, I'm not. It's life, in it? All good, man. Listen, as 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 you'll find out when you when you when you got to change kids' nappies, man, it puts life into perspective. That that that, that, that Arsenal ain't rattling you like it did. So yeah, so, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. So yeah, before we get into it, um, minor housekeeping. Uh, if you're not following us on social media, make sure you're doing that at Touchagunas on all platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, everything there. Um, we do post-match patrons after all the games. Um, the last one that we did was the 4-0 against Bournemouth from the weekend. Uh, myself and Shabs ran through each of the individual player ratings, talked a bit about that game, digested it. Um, and if you if you want to listen to that, you can sign up to Patreon from just three pounds a month. Um, then and we release all of the episodes ad free as well. If you're not feeling bird dogs um, at the moment, yeah, you, you you're kind of tired of hearing that. If you don't want to hear those ads, you can jump on the Patreon and you can get all the episodes ad free from as little as three pounds a month. So let's get into it. Um, we beat Bournemouth on the weekend, 4-0. We then had a Champions League game three days later. 
against Lons. And for the first time this season, you know, we ended up on the losing side, lost 2-1. Um, some great finishes from, uh, I don't even know who scored their first goal, but Wahi with the second and a good finish on, on our side with Gabriel Jesus. So let's, there's been a lot of talk about injuries um, and uh, uh, Bukayo Saka as well um, coming into this game because he, he, he came off the pitch um, against Bournemouth. He was limping. There's been talk about him all season, um, carry him and knock um, when you're, um, you know, playing this many games. I think he's played 86, now 87 Premier League games in a row. There was lots of talk around, you know, sort of lineups, who we should play against Lons. Um, and the decision around whether or not Saka should start the game. So, Sheldon, I don't know if you were in the chat um, yesterday where people were going back and forth about injuries. I kind of stayed out of it. Um, Dr. Leroy had his opinions about, you know, load management, pause and um, muscle fatigue and all of this stuff. And, um, and, and Shabs say they all had different views. So where do you stand on this? You know, do you think it was too much of a risk to play Saka? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not an expert, man. So I just, I just default to the people who know better. I think the reality is uh, from, from an outsider's perspective, just from a fan, it does look like, you know, especially when Saka goes down, he has knocks. But I think he does that a lot to the point now where I'm just like, uh, you know, it might not be as bad. But that doesn't mean that it won't be bad in the future. Do you know what I mean? So, um, and at the end of the day, the medical team have cleared him that he's fit enough to play. The player himself thinks he's fit enough to play. So who am I to, to know better? However, on the flip side, what we can say is that, yeah, like there was a lot of times last season where we were a couple goals up could have removed Saka. We were the game against Bournemouth, right? It was done and dusted by, we were freeing up by like 60 minutes, right? Saka could have easily come off with like half an hour remaining. So yeah, I definitely agree that um, it would be nice to see Saka come off earlier in games, especially games that are done. Um, I guess maybe this season we haven't had those uh, margins often enough to to make those subs, but I, I it just comes back to the fact that I think this needs to be a priority area now. Do you know what I mean? So um, not just because I think we need to rest Saka's legs, but just because also, and I'm sure we'll get onto this, I just think we need another dynamic option in in, in that front line as well. So, um, and last season we were blessed that Martinelli and Saka didn't have any injuries, but you've seen that for me personally, once those two are out, we lose so much dynamism in the attack um, and it becomes a bit too ball to feet. There's no options in behind, no outlets. So, um, it's a mix of we need to we need to we need to rest him at the end of the day. Like it's great that Saka's always available, but what we don't want is uh, like a Fabregas or a Rooney scenario where you know by like late twenties, by the time they hit thirty, you know they're looking a bit dusted and washed because you know they played a lot of football. Um, and it's funny because I remember when we, remember when we were linked with Yuri Tielemans and we saw like the minutes he'd clocked up by the age of twenty six, like he played a lot a lot of football. So it is something to to be wary of to balance but i also see the flip side where they say the best players always play right and if you want to be the best you always play so i don't really know i'm probably i'll probably sit somewhere in the middle with it um that i think we do we do need to look after him where we can but at the same time if he's available it's a champions league game he's going to play right <laughs> you know what i mean so so i get it I, I get i get both sides of the argument really yeah i think i think i'm with you and it's like there, there is an element of this is this is one of those situations where you know you can you can see the game being played out on the pitch, 
we don't see the training sessions, but we watch all the games. We watch ninety minutes, the same way the manager does, right? And we can have all have opinions on, you know, what this person's performance looks like versus another player. But what we don't get to see, we're not sat there getting the medical information, the medical data, and there's an element of trust that we have to have in the club that they're not sort of taking the mick with what's acceptable in terms of you know how many minutes this player can can afford how many minutes um can be put into their legs etc and i think with saka looking at him today he doesn't seem like he's you know the type to you know go down with muscle injuries with joint injuries this that and the other we know he gets kicked we know he, he picks up knocks but i think most players you know if you think about it you know sean i don't know in the last time you played five a side or whatnot but whenever i play five a side i come home I've got one cut on my ankle from from what my man done to me. I've got one, you know, bruised knee. I've got one injured thigh. I'm limping for the next couple of days, right? And that happens every single session. So when these guys are playing at that level of intensity, that often training at high intensity, that often I'm assuming that they've always got some sort of knock, you know, when they're playing. And, you know, it's interesting when you see, um, I think, uh, it was a basketball podcast um, I saw a clip of, and someone was saying that, oh, you know, um, we saw some of these guys, they could only play during the pandemic, right? Um, they, they That's when they showed their best form. And the guy, the, the, the player, I can't remember who it was, but he explained it as, you know, when um, we were in that bubble kind of thing, um, you know, they... Um, they they basically didn't have to do any of the travelling, they were on site, you know, um, they didn't have to do uh, any of the, you know, the crazy, crazy um, intense uh, scheduling that they that they normally are used to where you go from the, the, the hotel to the game, to the warm down back and then you need to find your way back home and all of this. They were there on site, just chilling with their boys doing the stuff, have all the people that they need on site, they're chilling for the other two days, then they come, they back play. And this guy said it was the freshest that he's ever felt, you know, because there was none of this, you know, um, in, insane traveling and scheduling and all of this stuff. And he said that was the best basketball he ever got to play because he felt so fresh and so crisp. And I, I, and if you apply that to football, it's like you look at these guys, the amount of times, the, the, the amount of, times they don't get rest between games, this, that, and the other. I imagine that most of these players are probably actually only playing at like 70 80% most of the time at any given time during the season. And if you think about Saka, when, you know, um, I think Ant said it, he's, he's played at the Euros. I think he came back and that, that was the start of his run, or if not, um, you know, very early in his run of playing every game. He, he started that very first, um, well, not he didn't start, but he came on in that very first Premier League game and then he started from game week two. Then he went to World Cup mid-season, um, the season after. Um, then he comes back uh, and then we, we 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 go on. And then there's some other friendlies in July where he's playing almost every minute for England as well. And then he comes back. So you're looking at it now, and so the past two, three seasons, between Arteta and Southgate, this guy's not really getting a rest. And so I think they're saying that this injury now is a muscle injury. And it might be the case that this guy wouldn't be someone who suffers from muscle injuries. But now in this situation where he's got some knocks, this and the other, maybe he's overcompensating, and then you end up with a muscle injury. But but my thing is, when you see a player limping on the pitch all the time, maybe just sit him down for a week. 
you know, and see how he is after that. I get it. Champions League, you can't really rotate. And maybe if if Martinelli wasn't injured, if, um, you know, we didn't have, um, I guess what I would say, a lack of depth in attacking areas, um, then you wouldn't be forced to play uh, Bukayo Saka because, you know, I think for the last two summers, two summers, I said to you what the priority is in this team. I think a lot of people would have said a backup for, for Saka or someone you can rotate with. We bid for Pedro Neto two summers ago, bid for Mikhailo Mudrik two summers ago. Um, El Nenny's injury maybe forced us away from getting those signings in. Um, and then bid for Mikhailo Mudrik again in January. We got Trossard in. And then this summer, um, I don't think we went for a forward at all. So I'm looking at it and I, I would say it's probably negligence that we don't have someone who can actually play there to a good, effective level when Saka has to sit down. And, you know, I think that's a problem. Anything you want to add to that? No, 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 no disagreements. I think, um, uh, and I'm sure we might touch on it, the, the, the Trossard thing, um, the Trossard thing is uh, also uh, squad cost as well because now he's taking up a squad space. Um, but you can see it why Arteta wanted Mudrik first. Do you know what I mean? Even though I don't think he's set, obviously we all know he's not set the world alight at Chelsea, but he has attributes that make a lot more sense, in my opinion, in our setup than a, than a Trossard. Um, and I guess we'll get we'll get onto that when we talk about the performance generally. So, so yeah, so so we'll see. But I I, I don't disagree with you on on Saka as well. So we we do need to definitely lighten the load on the kid, hundred percent. Yeah, fair play. And I, I think um, you know let's let's get into the game. Let's get into the game because I think the Saka injury or potential injury is one that you know we could we could really um, come to regret, especially if we think it was something that is preventable. You know because Eventually, you know, when he when he does come off, we end up playing most of the game without him, anyways. You know, um, and then we lost on top. So, you know, that risk, if he's not able to play um, against Man City, that that comes as like a, you know, double jeopardy almost. You know, you feel the pain twice. Um, uh, one, you lose a game on the day, and, and and two, you might lose him for Man City as well. And so it seems like a risk that wasn't necessarily worth taking. But again, you have to trust them that they knew what they were doing, and this is a freak um, incident. But yeah, let's move on to the actual performances um, because I, I do want to start on some positives because I do think there were some good performances on the day. I thought um, Declan Rice. Uh, William Saliba, Gabriel were probably the the main standouts. Um, I think there was some real good dominant defendants from defending from the centre backs um, in this game. Um, so annoyingly, uh, I think it is probably a Saliba error from dropping in too deep for the second goal. Um, I don't want to be too harsh on him. Um, and I thought Declan Rice. He, he played very well um, when it came to, you know, trying to push us up the, up, 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 up the field and accelerate uh, the game. Um, I thought he did quite a good job, especially when we went down to uh, down, down, down 2-1. So um, I do want to give them some praise and I'll let you uh, jump in on that as well, Sean. Yeah, I, I, feel, I think generally that those are always the positives in our team. That, that spine that we have 
overall is very solid. It's, it's the nice mix mix of um, PMP with good, um, you know, ball playing qualities as well. For me, yeah, Saliba really stood out yesterday. I thought a lot of times, you know, when these guys are left in 1v1 situations, they deal with defending big spaces really well. Rice, I just think is, you know, just a real proper midfield general, man. Like, it's just, I really like it just because it's a very, like I said, it's not a signing Arsenal would have made, like, previously. I, I always say that if Fergie was still at United, I could easily have seen Ferguson buying Declan Rice for Man United as well. So, I really think, yeah, definitely this is, you know, a massive player for us going forward. And he's he's really getting comfortable within the city system and setup. You can see every game. Um, so, yeah, no, big, big ups to those guys. Yeah, fair play. And then I think, yeah, the, the main meat of this conversation, because we did lose, um, unfortunately going to be um, a little bit negative focusing on some of the poorer performances. So I'm going to start at the back um, with the David Raya situation. I'm seeing a bit of a mixed bag on, on, on social media about how um, fans were reacting to his performance. I don't actually think he played that badly, but... You know, I think the first goal does come from a loose pass from him. Um, and that's something that I think we've seen a little bit of in the last sort of two, three games. I think um, Spurs, his kicking was was not particularly very good. Um, I think Bournemouth, it was better. But for me, like when we were watching it live in the chat, I was saying, you know, I thought there were a few where he was putting us under a bit of pressure with some of his long kicks. I feel like a few of them were under hit. I think Dr. Leroy mentioned that. Um, him under hitting passes against PSV as well. And then I think we saw that again today, under hit pass, easily intercepted by the left back. Um, I know Martin Keown was screaming for a, a handball um, on, on TNT Sports, I think it's called now, but I didn't think it's handball. And then obviously they got the other end to score. So, you know, what, what do you make of his performances so far, David Ryan? Do you think he's doing enough to justify keeping Ramsdale out of the team? Yeah, I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. I think there's there's been some good stuff. Like generally, what I do like that he does well, I think his handling um, is very good. He comes out and claims like he doesn't punch a lot, which I generally like for my keepers to do. Um, so I think he does that well. I think his short passing um, can be quite good. But yeah, generally, the long stuff hasn't been very impressive to me. In fact, it's been very inaccurate, I'd say, generally on, on the whole. So I think that's the sort of thing that needs work. Um whether or not that matters is is doesn't matter anyway because I, from the moment we signed David Wright, I always said that's going to be number one. I just think it's going to follow the exact same trend that happened when Ramsdale came and took over from Leno, and, and so it is. You know, I mean, he's he's played both all the league games since the international break, both the Champions League games, and all Ramsdale's had is the is Brentford in the League Cup. So I think that's pretty much you know you know when people talk about competition, like I've always said, I don't believe there's anything any such thing as competition when it comes to goalkeeper every manager always has their preferred number one and so it's proven to be the case with Raya so let's see how it let's see how obviously it's a very small sample size at the moment so I'd, I'd grade it oh probably about a six out of ten overall from what I've seen so far um there's been some good stuff but there still needs to be some room for improvement especially with the kicking like I don't like look at him and think like both goals he got packed in yesterday I thought they were really really good finishes to be fair the first actual goal they scored is crazy i know he's made the mistake but it's not like he's made the mistake and they've gone straight to goal like they still got to do a lot of work they did a lot of work to get to fashion that and that finish is just is outrageous yeah, to be fair. Like, crazy 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 finishes. crazy crazy finishes so um so yeah mixed bag i still need to see some some improvements but 
overall he's, he's not been a, a like a net negative but uh yeah let's see man yeah i think it's it's one that the jury's out and i think if there are a couple more of those sort of dodgy-ish moments yeah. um as i think you know people were onto him for the first goal against spurs as well sort of parrying it back into play then i think that the noise as you call it might might start ramping up about getting Ramsdale back in because I think um, when you see um, what pundits and players and Sky Sports and everyone have been doing around the situation, getting just random man playing for Bournemouth to comment on the goalkeeping situation at Arsenal is kind of strange to me. Um, Brighton change their keepers quite often. You don't get that same um, speculation and focus. So... Um, I do think Raya is going to need to fix up um, to, 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 to keep that noise um, out because I think it will just get louder and louder um, unless he really, really, really stamps his authority um, on that position. So um, I want to talk about midfield as well a little bit because I think it was a bit of a mess yesterday. I know that he said that Rice played well, but I think either side of him... We didn't really get anything from anyone, um, Havertz or Odegaard yesterday. And I think in a lot of the games where they played together, there has been some of that, you know. Um, I think there has been some of that. Um, I look at Bournemouth, where I think Odegaard really, really played well. Really played really, really, really well. Um, but in this game, he wasn't able to exert that, that same dominance, you know. Um, on 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 Saturday, you know, we obviously gave Kai Havertz the the penalty. Odegaard um, handling the penalty. You saw the celebrations um, with the fans. Uh, Shabs made a really good point about that. You know that um, that you guys can tune into um, on the Patreon piece. I'm not going to repeat it, but he made a really good point about that around um, you know uh, how much it means to the players to. To, to show him that support. And then obviously the fans showed him that support. They've obviously made this um, great song that, you know, Sean, you said you couldn't get out of your head and all of this stuff, right? Um, and this was supposed to lead to a more confident player, right? But then immediately the next game, you're straight back in the team. In the team, you get to, all right, let's see this confident fella. <sighs> What did you make of that Havertz performance following the, the the action and reaction from from the weekend? Yeah, uh, you've got to call a spade a spade, and it's just it's not been good. Like, and and you know, I'm always having arguments with people online. People are flooding my mentions every game, saying you're being disingenuous, you're picking on him. I'm like, I'm not. I'm just objectively judging what I see. You know, we when people criticised Xhaka last season, what they said about Xhaka was that. We needed more offensive output from Jack. And bearing in mind, Jack had got like seven goals and seven assists, by the way. Um, and none of them were, these were all open play stuff, right? So there was no set pieces, no pens. Do you know what I mean? So I think someone made the point was that like, you know, we wouldn't have given Jack a pen <laughs> at any point last season. Do you know what I mean? Even though he's probably, he'd probably be a good penalty taker in itself anyway. So I just think, and, and, and one thing I think one of the biggest distinguishes actually I've made so far is that even though Xhaka, you know, we often used to say that Xhaka in um, small spaces, his feet didn't move quick enough. It's so like, you know, when we wanted him to turn and, and move. But Xhaka actually had a very quick 
footballing brain, even though, you know, sometimes his feet couldn't keep up. But Xhaka could see pictures very quickly. So he would do the runs off the ball, but he would also play people in behind as well. He would also turn, he would also fill in for Zinchenko. So I could never criticise Xhaka last season because Xhaka got through it. He did a hell of a lot. Xhaka played in like two, three positions and, and it looked cohesive. Like, like I said, at the moment, for me, just the game's pass habits by way too much. Like, you're just sitting there every game questioning what's he done? Like, what's been the opinion? Like, and I was looking at um, a passing network someone posted today online. Like, the only thing I can really say is that Havertz is more playing like, you know, when you know when we're off the ball, he's playing almost in a double uh, pivot with Rice. Like, you know, he's basically, you know, similar to how Jack used to drop in next to party last season. But other than that, if, if you ask me to describe what Havertz is actually doing on the ball, Coops, I couldn't tell you. You know, he had that one in the first half where he made that off-the-ball run, and he had that shot right, and that was a decent save. But I was expecting to see a lot more of that. I haven't seen that. Whether that's down to him not making enough runs or the team, the, his teammates not finding him in enough, I don't know. That's open to interpretation. But what I do find interesting, and, and this can also feed into Erdegaard, is that Erdegaard's playing a lot, lot higher up. Although he did drop off, you know, drop in yesterday to try and um, progress the ball because we really struggled with that. Um, but... Most of the time, Erdegaard is higher up than Havertz, when, where I always thought it would be a bit more, you know, the other way around. And, and I think it might be something that needs to be looked at because Erdegaard would progress the ball better than, than Havertz would, do you know what I mean? So when we're sitting here, we're, we're questioning the contribution. People are talking about, yeah, Jules, uh, cool. I can I can hear that and I can understand that. But this we're talking about a 65 million attacking midfielder here, Coos, do you know what I mean? So when we're questioning the contribution, it's not that... I'm being objective. I'm, I'm asking people, what are he, what is he doing objectively well that we can praise him for? Do you know what I mean? So I don't think it's a case of, because what, what do I stand to gain from slandering him? I don't stand to gain anything. Do you know what I mean? I want the team to be good. I want us to be good. And us, Kai Havertz being good is only going to benefit us, right? But he's not been. He's not been. And, and you can see it in the, you, you can see it in the stuff that, um, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I can see it in the stuff that, you know, he's not, um, he's not progressing the ball as well uh we've i think this season especially um one of the things we've lacked and and we see it when parties out is that we've lacked a bit of um we've lacked quite a bit of central progression um habits doesn't offer that central progression obviously jesus has been out wide quite a bit so we haven't had that central progression through there so he's not offering the ball progression he's not helping to 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 dribble turn beat up you know break lines he's not showing up in the box enough so I think it's very fair to be objective and just ask generally what is he bringing and um, I think it's just a question that's going to rumble on like people say we're being unfair and disingenuous but when ESR is coming on he's he's getting a couple shots in he's getting some shots off he's showing up in dangerous positions he's trying to speed up the player be a bit more risky um, so I think it's fair to ask and and, and until it happens, it's going to be the same question every game. Like People are like, they're tired of the discourse, but it's going to be that relevant discourse until we see an improvement, right? Because we all saw Havertz for three years at Chelsea and nobody during those three years at Chelsea were asking for us, Arsenal to sign Kai Havertz. We just weren't. So um, that's us being objective, man. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's a real shame to me um, seeing this play out because I think everyone and obviously it's, it's 10 games right it's 10 games we're not um here completely writing this guy off um saying he might never ever play well for us ever right but i just need to analyze these 10 games that i'm seeing and for me 
when I watched this guy at Chelsea, you know, I think there was two issues that I had. And I think one of them, um, he's definitely proven. Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Me wrong. I didn't think this guy had the off the ball intensity um, that he showed uh, and has shown so far. I did worry about him, you know, dropping into that midfield to, um, to, you know, do that you know, defensive role that Xhaka um, was doing for us last season. We pressed forward in the two, in the 4-4-2, and, he, and then the, the left centre mid drops into centre, centre mid, etc. And I think he's, he's been doing that to some good effect. However, the second worry that I had was on the ball, I didn't think he was intense enough. I didn't think he accelerated the play. I don't think his passing is crisp enough. I don't think his touch is crisp enough. He can't really dribble with the ball, his ball striking, not clean, right? So then, you know, I look, can you combine with players? Does he really look to pass, move, receive, play quickly? No, he doesn't. Does he, you know, really drive in behind? I think that was something that, you know, was a major, major part of this role. And I think we saw that once yesterday where he was found by a teammate running behind, first time shot. But what we saw quite often last season with his um, Xhaka making those runs in, decoy runs, the pass goes to someone else. Xhaka was actually really quite good combining with some of these guys. I think we've seen it this season, Fabio Vieira running with purpose off the back of um, uh, the, the fullback wins the penalty at Fulham, you know, and I'm not seeing these super intense runs from Kai Havertz either. I think they're, they're sort of ambles, you know, into the last lines. Like, do you actually even want the ball? Now, if this ball is played into you, what are you going to do with it? You know, um, it doesn't have that incisive pass. So I'm looking at this and I'm saying, you know, what elements are you actually supposed to be bringing to our offensive play? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't see it. I actually just can't see it, you know. Um, and, and that, I think, is the most disappointing thing because I think... You know, so I think everyone had an idea of how this guy might look best form, you know, when he comes in. And I don't think anyone could have imagined it would be as bad as what as what um, we have gotten so far from Havertz. Because for, for me, he's worse than I could have ever imagined. You know, I can't lie to you. He's worse than I could have ever imagined. You know, he doesn't even, like, look like scoring from open play. And 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 when you um, and and it, you know if we look at it, yeah, as as a midfielder, there's different ways to influence and impact the game, right? So you can influence it through control, dictating tempo. You can influence the match through dribbling. We can, you can influence influence the match through being an incisive passer. You can influence the match being an off the ball runner, a shooter. Like at the moment, he's not giving any of us that on the ball and, and and that's what we're questioning do you know what i mean that intensity that aggressiveness with the ball at your feet and he just doesn't show it and again 
I'm not surprised because he hasn't shown us it during the time at Chelsea. So, you know, we're fair to have this in our assessment. So until he shows us something different, this is going to continue to be our assessment of him. So for me, it is very, very disappointing, especially when you know that, you know, we often talk about our five lanes of attack, right? We rarely ever push fullbacks on to overlap because the fullbacks are instructed to stay deep, sometimes sit a bit narrow to help build play and be in positions to prevent counters if 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 the ball turns over. So for me, anyone in that five lanes of attack, you need to get shit cracking. You need to be someone who can make something happen both individually or or through combinations. And I just, I don't see that. And I haven't seen that. Not And to be fair, this is not just him. Rarely from us, from, from anyone this season. So it needs to get better, um, both from him and, and, and from the side collectively. But it's just a real disappointment, man. Real, real disappointment. And and I and I just I want to, you know, <laughs> you know me. I want to be an El Posey. I want something to to back, but he's not showing me anything to back. You know, people are talking about um taking him to a Pentecostal church. You know, he needs maybe maybe Timber needs to drop some anointing oil on him. But I don't even know if that's gonna make a difference at this stage, boy. So let's see, man. Let's see. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a really, really tough one. You know, I'm, I'm not enjoying watching him play at the moment. Um, I must say, and well, we've got Man City on the weekend. I don't even know what, what sort of lineup we're gonna, we're gonna put out there to be honest. So, yeah, one to watch. And I think, um, on the other side, Odegaard. Let's focus on him a bit more. So I think, you know, we, we kind of lost him. Um, in the game yesterday, I think we struggled really, as you said, to to get the ball in like through um, the middle of the pitch, which is where he operates. And I think you know, once you take off Saka and have Odegaard and Vieira, and then your other forwards are Trossard, Gabriel Jesus, who you know Jesus can run in behind a little bit, but you know those four guys are all pretty much ball to feet guys. I think you know the two guys who do run in behind. Vieira and, and, and Jesus, I don't think they've got that, you know, top, top level, top speed. They've got a little burst, but you don't really have the runners for him. And so I'm looking at it and saying, right, how, how do I want Odegaard to influence this game? Can he really influence this game in that way? I'm not sure that we we, we played the best um, people together yesterday to mm-hmm. get the best out of him. Um, and I think we really, really missed Saka's um, dynamism in that match. And then obviously Martinelli, as well you know so what did you make I, I, of I, yeah I, I don't think it was great um and and to your point i think main issue is we struggled to progress the ball well to him so what what happened is that he wasn't receiving so we kept dropping deep i think also um you know tommy Asu, i think the more and more i'm watching him i'm like because you know we spoke about i really like tommy Asu at brentford at center back i'm starting to think more and more that this is this guy's position because i just don't think he has that dynamism um as a right back, you know, to maraud up and down, to get up and down. I just don't think he has it in him personally. I think he's better. And I think, funnily enough, I think using Tomiyasu as a centre-back is probably going to help to preserve him longer. I think it'd probably mitigate against injuries for him more by using him as more of a centre-back. So, yeah, I think that right-sided pod, like you said, it was broken up very, obviously, White didn't start and Saka went off after 20 minutes, right? So that was really stodgy and you could see it, like, do you know what I mean? So, and 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 this was, was an issue I had generally. I really didn't know what Arteta was trying to achieve, having just like five basically ball-to-feet players in offensive areas, you know what I mean? So you're going to struggle. You're going to struggle to create any level of chaos or unpredictability when when there's not enough um, chaos factor, not not enough outlets, not enough pace, 
um, stretching the last line. So it was just it's all too, too predictable for me. So um, I think individually he didn't play well. I think the environment, which he's normally in with Saka and White, which is a really nice mix and blend of attributes, wasn't there as well. So just compounded a, just a stinky performance from him um, and, and the others generally. But uh, so it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. And I think if you look at this game, um, I think the manager made a, a few errors here. You know, I think the first one, the Vieira for Saka, was a bit of a, a funny one. Um, I probably um, would have brought Eddie on, um, playing through the middle, have Jesus on the right. Um, and failing that, I'd probably just bring Nelson on to play him on the right. You know, because I, I get it, Eddie played a lot of minutes in the last mm. uh, week or so, but I'm looking at it and who who has pace, mm. who has power, who can move mm. these players around the mm. most. You know, they were playing a nasty, nasty back five mm. um, yesterday. I don't think that Vieira sub made sense at mm. all um, when you're losing basically your only um, speed up mm. there, only person who's willing to run um, in behind. Um and then uh, I think he probably should have changed it at half time as well. I thought mm -hmm. Trossard had very, very poor first half. Mm -hmm. But I do understand him sort of giving the players um, a go uh, after the half. But I thought Trossard, Havertz, Zinchenko down that left hand side was not working in the slightest. And I would have tried to move things about a little bit more um, over there. And I thought, you know, ESR and Nelson, they need to be playing more. I'm not mm. going to lie to you. They need mm. to be playing more. And Nelson's cameo was poor, to say the mm. least. I'm not going to. It was not. It was not great. It was not easy on the eyes. But I think he played well against um, who was it? Brentford uh, last midweek. I think was unfortunate not to start against Bournemouth, and then I think unfortunate not to start again here. And so I get, you know, you're talking about you need to play your strongest team, strongest team possible. That front three. And actually, this 11 did pretty well against PSV at home. From three, all got on the score sheet, you know, all played really well. I get why you'd want to, you know, stick to that and do that again. But I think he needs to, to start trusting some of these guys, right? So um, there is a listener's question here that I'm going to get into. So um, Sam E91, he says, outside of going into the market for an explosive winger in January, Edu, bring Neto, please, please. Does giving the likes of Nelson and ESR uh, minutes on the wing help us sharpen up in attack? Any other solutions to avoid being as dull as we were against Longs? Yeah, 100%. For me, Arteta, um, you've got to start... Uh, to be fair, he, he hasn't played the same team once this season, right? So he has made like two, three changes every 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 other game. But for me, I think what what really upset me was that it's not even the loss. Like you can you you can lose games. We're going to lose more games in the season. It's whatever that happens. But I think the performance and and how that game planned out really really upset me. It's kind of like like I said, there was there was a he doesn't always put the best combinations together. In my opinion, you know, you need to have the bet the good blend of of um tech but with outlets in behind so your point to you know bringing on eddie might have been a good option because one thing whatever you can say about french teams whatever they always have good pmp french teams and they, they physically i thought they were better than us last night and we and we, we struggled with that we looked they they played at a good level of intensity and and i don't think 
we didn't really have an answer for that. And, and that might have been partly due to some of the profiles we picked as well, right? So when Saka went off, Saka was our only outlet. So I think, like you said, you should have brought on Eddie or you should have used Nelson. Um, do you know what I mean? There, there's no point you saying you're, and, and this is Arteta's I'm, I'm talking about here. You're giving all of these guys new contracts. So you need to be able to trust them, right? So if, if you're not going to trust them, then, then what's the point? Because um, then, then we're back to the question of what, what was the point of, you need to trust these guys to give them significant minutes. And obviously Eddie's had, to be fair, Eddie's had significant minutes this season. We can say that, but Nelson and ESR, if, if you're saying that they're a big part of what you're planning to do, then you need to pay them more as well. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that their attributes might have been better suited to this game as well, just because they're both stretchers. They're both looking to to go in behind. They're both looking to, you know, pick up the ball and be a bit more direct than than what we had on um on the pitch um, against Lons as well. So, so yeah, it's 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 definitely a concern for me going forward, and it was it was really upsetting. Obviously, we can have a wider discussion maybe around our attack generally, and and you know, I, I think we definitely lack more chaos in that attack compared to what some other teams have. So that's that's another thing we could um, go yeah. for, probably need to address. Yeah, for me, I'm looking at it and, and I'm saying Smith Rowe, he has to play in, in in some form in in the middle of the park, right? I'm looking at him versus Havertz versus Vieira. And for me, Smith Rowe is the most accomplished of the three of them. You know, I know we've got some nice passes from Vieira um, and this is probably my Arsenal bias sticking out. But I look at it and I say in the last two appearances, Smith Rose had more sacks on goal than Kai Havertz and Vieira, you know, um, came on the other day, uh, 20 minutes on the pitch. He probably has a better chance than Kai Havertz has had the entire season um, to score a goal. You know, um, he's more dynamic. He can combine. He's got speed. He can carry the ball. Um, good, good eye for a pass. Not afraid to play a pass as well. Not afraid to take the ball past someone. And I'm looking at it and I'm saying, you know, this this guy is kind of what you need for going forward in that position. But obviously, the question there are question marks around his fitness, question marks around his defensive work, this that, and the other. And I say, yeah, fair, fair enough. I hear that. But I think going forward, if party's back. Um, we're probably going to have to bend all three of those guys and play um, Declan Rice there um, and Thomas Partey because I think that solves a couple of problems when you're talking about central access, getting us up the pitch uh, into that zone 14 or whatever they want to call it, at, at, on, on the edge of the D. Thomas Partey and his verticality with his obvious passing is second to none for me. You know, his ability to turn on the sixpence and play and fizzable round the corner break lines um is second to none for me he has to play i think people are sort of underestimating and taking away um from how good we were as a team last season when he played for those 30 games you know um up to game week 30 we were on a 93 point pace with this guy buttressing our midfield yeah I, I cannot see that just getting binned mm. um, for what we're seeing right now. Because what we're seeing right now, for me, I think it's a big, we've got big, big issues mm. creating chances um, yeah. and really punishing teams at present. You know, something needs to change in that midfield for me. Yeah, I, I definitely think we miss that verticality. You know, I see people, especially online, always saying party sometimes too vertical and too risky, maybe. And, and I hear it sometimes he can be, you know, but... 
I think at the moment we lack that massively. Do you know what I mean? Because I think to the point Dr. Lee made is that Rice is, he tends to pass outside of the block. He doesn't break lines at, a cons at the consistent rate that party does. He doesn't have that jinky maybe through the centre. He can carry the ball deck, but he's not going to, you know, it's more about opening up that space um, laterally, which will then open up space for the likes of Erdegaard. If you think, I think party to Erdegaard was a big consistent pass combination last season. We, and we, you know, and, and that was, you know, to your point about Erdegaard not having to drop as deep because we were finding him high up. So I think, uh, you know, I, I think party has been a miss. I agree with you. I, t I totally, totally agree with you. So, and I would like to see that when, if he's back now, uh, obviously he was on the bench last night, didn't come on, but, I would like to see Party Rice and um, Erdegaard as a as a trio. I would like to yeah. see that midfield. I'm not gonna lie, we need it against Man City, man. Yeah, hundred, hundred, hundred. I can't see, I can't see anything else. Um, yeah, personally, but and then also, also on top of, especially if Saka's not going to be available, then you need to be able to sustain pressure up higher up against those guys um, mm -hmm. by having those three, in my opinion. Because, because what what I could see potentially happening is it might go to like um like a sort of community shield lineup where you put like Havertz up top maybe because even though I don't personally I'm not a fan of De Giza, but every time he's actually played up top so far that's probably where he's looked the best even yeah. you know remember that game against PSV like when they took Jesus off and Havertz went up top he looked alright and he had a couple shots in that so I think that's for me that'd be the best way to mitigate it I would I would look yeah. at things like that. So. Yeah, I think I think if Havertz has to play, he has to be up top. Maybe shift yeah. Jesus to the right um, yeah. because he can give you some of what Saka does. Yeah. Um, and then we have Trossard, maybe Nelson on the left hand side. Um, probably Trossard, given his seniority, final third efficiency, etc. When it comes to playing against Man City, so you know, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a tough one. I, I see this question from German Dan. I think we're going to do that at the end. This guy. Doing clink clink with uh, Lewis in Rhodes, um, but uh, clink clink gang, <laughs> yeah, clink clink gang, you know. But uh, he's he's asked predictions for the City game, lineup and result, right? So we're going to do that dead last. We're going to end the okay. on that, yeah. But um, sure. you know, uh, so you can get thinking um, about that, and then yeah, let's go through some of the rest of the listeners' questions. So we've done uh, Sam E's question. So we go Yonko Abs. He's asked. Do you agree that the manager's decisions are more critical to how well we do as a club this season than last season? Yes, because uh, he can't flog the same 11 as he did last season. So he's going to need to get the mix and balance right continuously. Um, and I don't think he did yesterday. Um, and that's going to be critical going forward. Um, like I said, I still think we need an update of profiles in the attack. Me personally, outside of... Martinelli, Jesus and Saka, I'm not really happy with the rest of the attackers. So I could easily sell Eddie, Trossard, Nelson, and you could buy me another two, um, mm. personally, with more speed and unpredictability. But maybe that's just me. Um, but yeah, so I, I think his decisions are going to be critical, um, both in terms of the mixing attack and defence. Generally, if everyone's fit, cool, no real issue. But midfield and attack is important. He gets the blend right. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, man. I think we, we definitely needed a more dynamic forward um, this season. You know, uh, it's something that I've, I've been been saying that you know, I don't think we have enough top-level speed in that attack, um, really. And I think it really came out to bear yesterday because basically once Saka came off, I think Lons basically said, you know what, boom, 
you're not going to affect us in behind. We can press you high. Mm -hmm. We can do whatever, you know, kind of thing. And they, they kind of had, um, you know, free reign to, 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 to play as high as they wanted because we didn't have a threat in behind. And I think you're going up to play Man City. Um, the last time they came to the Emirates, they almost did the same thing, you know, um, they, they had 30-something percent possession when route one to 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 Haaland and, and KDB. Um and they got they got success from it, you know. So I think we do need more speed to, to make the teams really think about um about stuff. And then on the manager's decisions point, the manager is always the most critical person at a football club, you know, the buck stops with them. So when you win, when you lose, you know, it all comes down to them. They take the credit when we win, they have to take the flag when we lose as well. So, you know, when the pressure is up, the expectations are higher. Yeah, I would say the the decisions are more critical because they mean more. That's just automatic, you know. So um yeah, Salty Guna, he asked why did Nelson sign that contract and ESR stay when it seems like the manager doesn't trust them? Both from the players and the club, what could the, the reasoning be behind those decisions? Arteta likes to hoard players. Mm, yeah, he's, 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 a, he's a hoarder. And, you know, that I think that's that's a weakness of his. Do you know what I mean? If, if you're not going to trust them, then there's no point. Sell them and then get someone else in that you do trust. Mm, simple. Simple as, that. simple as And I think, you know, it's interesting. We've seen this before. Um Maitland Niles, you're rejecting actual bids of money, saying he's not for sale, um, to then not playing. They, they barely featured again after the transfer window um, closed. Started in centre mid a couple of games, think he got a man of the match. We never saw him again, um, really, for the rest of that season. Spent, I think, the second half of the season out on loan at Southampton, this, that, and the other. And, you know, he then ended up leaving for free. And, you know, I don't think that situation will happen with Nelson and ESR, but. For me, I think it's quite bad that we've got two left wingers injured. Nelson doesn't start um, the game. I, I, I don't think that's that makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I think yeah, relatively low wage. Um, you know, maybe if we sold him, we wouldn't get that much money. We'd have to replace him. This and other. But for me, I think you need to make these hard decisions. You let him go. You know, maybe you know you're you're not sure what kind of fee you can get for Smith Road. This and other. I definitely think he would have caught flack. For selling Smith Rowe. Um, I would be one of them, you know, um, giving flack, giving flack, and you see the reaction Smith Rowe got when he, you know, first game against, against Pete. Pete. Yeah. When Pete, when people saw him coming on, that's that's a fan favorite, you know. Immediately the song is going around the stadium, this and the other, because I think people think he's got a lot to offer. Um, so for me, I think ESR needs more minutes. Um, you know, if you see that the minutes that Havertz is getting. I'm just imagining now, if Smith Rowe had been playing all of these minutes, he'd probably be on two or three goals by now. I'm not going to lie to you, um, you know, in 10 games. Um, so, so yeah, I think the manager needs to trust him more and, and really just say, fuck it, um, I'm going to play. Um, I'm going to play you. Uh, Tondre won. He says, why is Havertz getting babied and coddled so much by the fan base? He has a three-year body of work at Chelsea that has been underwhelming, to say the least, and has shown the same crap attitude and output here Zero open play shots on target in all games. Why can't some call the spade a spade? No, nah, to be fair, I, was, I, don't, I don't think that's true. It says zero open play shot. He literally had the shot on target yesterday, right? So I'm sure, I think there's been a couple, but so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's true. And to be fair, even though I'm not keen on him, I don't think his attitude has been bad, actually. I think he actually works quite hard. But 
all that said, there's just not enough quality being shown. And, you know, people are doing copium stuff at the moment because he costs 65 mil. They're just, they're just wistfully, um, blindly backing whatever the club does. And, and this really grinds my gears because it's a lack of object objectivity. As we've always said, the club can get stuff wrong. You know, Arteta was telling Willian that we were going to win the Champions League within three seasons. Every, funnily enough, everyone's forgotten about Willian, you know. Everyone's forgotten God. about but that, that. That transfer was awful. It was a god-awful transfer. Lokonga hasn't been good. Tavares hasn't been good. Pablo Mari wasn't good. There's been transfers that have not been good, do you know what I mean? So it's not like these guys are infallible. They've made some errors as well. So I think they've done a lot of good stuff, but they've made some errors. So I think it's perfectly fine to... to to observe and make and make observations based on what you're seeing, you know. So it's fine for me. I, I, I don't believe in willfully being positive just to, to back the team. I back the team, but I can also call out stuff that I don't think is good as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm looking at this now. I think he has one open play shot on target in the league. <sighs> in to speak. Seven appearances. So I'm trying to see when when this was. So. Uh, Fulham, it wasn't then. Everton wasn't then. I'm going to United now. Da, 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 da. United wasn't then either. Okay, the previous Crystal Palace. Kai Havertz wasn't on against Crystal Palace, <laughs> Nottingham Forest. Uh, he started that game. They didn't have a shot against Nottingham Forest, full stop. So, yeah, um, I can't see when this game was, maybe Tottenham. Tottenham. He, he did have a shot against bench. Tottenham. no shot on target against Tottenham either and then we played Brentford no that wasn't a penalty game Bournemouth sorry, in Havertz. shot on target one but that was the penalty yeah he's had no shots open play shots on target in the league my goodness man my goodness Crazy, crazy. My crazy. goodness, my head is spinning, bruv. Hey. <laughs> What's that meme? You know that that when the guy's on stage and he's he's he starts crying, he's like, We don't have we don't have the facilities. <laughs> oh the capacity. <laughs> we don't have the capacity. Yay! Oh bro. Yay. bro. I'm in stunned silence, Sean. Bro, do you know so I saw one tweet today, yeah. They brought back the tweet uh that Ornstein made back in May. So this was before, like, this was just after the season was finished. And the first was link was, like, obviously Arsenal. Do you remember, like, it was, like, Arsenal were heavily pursuing um, Ikai Gundogan. That's what Arsenal wanted. Mm -hmm. And then, obviously, then it was, like, Rice and Mount. And I was, like, how did we go from all of those to, to Havertz? Like, Gundogan and Havertz are just completely different players, bro. Um, the thing is, and this is mad because I don't even like Mason Mount either. However, I think Mason Mount would have been better for us. Like clearly, yeah, better. You'd have been better than better for us than Havertz would have as well. Because even though I don't like him, he's busy. He gets shots off. Um, he would have done a bit more than us. Than you know, he, I know he's thinking at United, but I actually think he would have probably done a bit better at Arsenal. Um, but yeah, it's, it is what it is, man. 
nasty, nasty business. Uh, yeah, so next uh, question. How Dracula, Dracula says, does positional play work in European football? Arteta, Xavi and Pep have all suffered embarrassing losses in Europe. Should Arteta go back to basics, traditional fullbacks, double pivot, etc., for Champions League tyres? I mean, Pep just won the treble last season. Right? Yeah, I was going to say, Pep has also won, he's, he's won three Champions Leagues. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know if, I don't know if that's something yeah. I agree with. I, I mean, I do take certain points. Like, I do think there could be a bit more adaptation at times, you know, depending on game state, what the game's giving you. Um, and, and there is a wider discussion to be had around Arteta's performances in Europe generally. It hasn't been good. And we, we have to call a spade a spade. I don't think it's been good. So that's also something that needs to improve. Um, so let's see. Let's see. To be fair, he seemed quite diplomatic last night. He said... We need to use this as learning. He didn't make any excuses, which 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 I do like about Arteta. To be fair, that is one thing. Like he, he, he's not like that bald-headed fraud in Manchester that is always blaming anyone and everyone but himself. Do you know what I mean? Arteta was just like, we need to improve and get better, which I respect. So so let's see. But I think there are valid concerns that we have over the team's performances generally in Europe. Um, I don't think it's been good. So mm. that's got to, it's got to improve for sure. Yeah, I think I think. To be honest, uh, there's an element that I can put on Arteta because I don't remember, and I said this, I put out a tweet yesterday saying this, that I don't really think we've been convincing away from home um, mm. in the league, but I think there's an element that comes with experience. You know, mm. I think it's mm. often underplayed how much experience is important in European competition. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, going to some of these grounds, like that Lons ground um, yeah, yeah. was popping yesterday. Yeah, you know, it, was it was match, really it was popping. match. Um, you know, and I think that it, 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 it takes it takes going away and losing in some of these games to know that you can't, you know, come here for a jolly up. You know, I think some of the fans are getting to, you that. You know, to be fair, I saw. I can't remember. I need to find the stat, but I no, sorry, I saw. I can't. I need to find out who posted it. But I saw the stat that um, that I didn't realize they finished second last season. They only finished like a point or two behind PSG, and they won nineteen out of their twenty. They won nineteen out of their last twenty-three home games. So they do seem to be quite you know, solid generally at home. So, uh, you know, I think a lot of people, obviously, myself included, we downplayed them because Fafana obviously went to Saudi. They had a striker. Was it Luis Appenda? I think he went to Leipzig as well. Yeah. So yeah. it looks like they lost their two best players. But I, 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 with me, I always think they produce players in France like the bucket loads. There's probably some like, there was one centre-back who I felt dealt with Jesus really well last night, actually. I thought he was really good. Then they had like a, a centre-mid. That Wahi up top was decent as well. So, to be fair, like they've, they've got some decent... And if I'm being like objective, like taking like my Arsenal bias out, I, I think they did well. I think they handled us well. They didn't really give us much, to be fair. Um, so, fair play, man. But yeah, mm. we, we, we need to, like you said, we need to improve. And I think Maybe, maybe this is an experience thing. Sometimes I do think experience is a bit overplayed personally, but but maybe in Europe it's a bit more of a factor because, look, it, Pep hadn't won the Champions League since when? 2011? That was So it's been like 12 years since he last won the Champions League, right? So he didn't win it at Bayern. It took him, what, seven, eight attempts to win it for City. So I think there is also an element of luck as well that comes in with the Champions League and yeah, you just, you, you get better with experience. So yeah, it's a fair play. Yeah. Um, so next question uh, from Guna London, he says, do you have concerns whenever we play away on the European night? Can't seem to think of a good performance away. So I think we've covered that. Mm -hmm. um, Lacastina season, I think he's changed his, um, is, is at there. I can't say I approve of that new one. Any tributes to Lacazette? 
<laughs> you're not getting love from me, I'm afraid. Okay? Um, why are the top red neeks on Twitter questioning people that are angry at how Arteta doesn't rest Saka despite him playing injured for the longest? Is it because they're so desperate to work for the club or is it that they haven't played the sport so haven't got a clue about it? I, I mean, that's such a leading question here. Yeah, yeah. He, he, he wants to just <laughs> box us into a corner. <laughs> Fair, fair, fair he answered your own question, I think, yeah, with that. True. So I'm, I don't think we need to add anything uh, to what you said there. We've touched on the soccer injury. I, I just think we don't have enough information um, to really judge it accurately. So, you know, um, I think we'll just have to, to wait and see on that one. Hopefully, you know, he's not out for uh, uh, an extended period um, and, and we can see him back on the pitch uh, this weekend, really. Um, but we'll see. Um, next question. Rivsilish, he asked, with party seemingly back, do we play him and rice together and forget about his habits experiment? Should habits just be a striker option? Boy. Yeah, yes, is my short answer. Basically. Um, yeah, I think I think habits in midfield. Some people might want to see that. I'm not one of them, man. I'm not one of them. Um, at all. Uh, and so, clicked off it now. One second. Bait face Nate he says, who would you like to see come in for Saka at right wing? Who would you like to see come in for Havertz at left? Centre, centre mid, who starts at right back, White or Tomiyasu? I mean, White quite clearly starts at right back. Uh, I would move Jesus to right wing, even though I prefer him up top um, and left centre mid. I don't know, man, just ESR. Like, put him there. Obviously, I know the concerns about him defensively, but really and truthfully, I, I need more offensively right now. You know, I think overall defensively, we've been relatively solid this season. So I need some more offensive output, man. I need something different. Mm. So, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, I think I think I agree on that. We touched on it. Probably I probably put Jesus right wing at this 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 current point in time. I don't think I like any of the other options that we have there really. And then yeah, I agree with you. Centre mid, I think yeah, white white uh, gives you the best of both worlds a little bit. But I'm not going to lie. For, for Man City, we'll come into this. I think Tomiyasu must play um, with with that Doku Doku fella lurking. You know, um, yeah, I, I think may, maybe maybe I put Tommy. I don't even know if Doku's gonna. I've seen him play both left hand right, so I don't know where Pep would play him. But I would play Tomiyasu left back this game. Actually, I would it might be. Yeah, it might have to be a Tomiyasu left back. Yeah, it's, it's a long right, right back. And then yeah, a long, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's a tricky one. Um, okay, uh, like Mike one nine six says, if we comfortably fall short of our aims. And in brackets, it says winning the Premier League or Champions League. Should Arteta's job be at risk? Uh, I'm, I'm, I never expected us to win the Champions League, so I'll take myself out. I expect us to to compete for the, the league title. So if we comfortably fall short of that, I think there should definitely be pressure, especially after the amount of money that's been spent. Um, so, yeah, I think, that's, I think that's a fair question to ask. It, it, and also it depends how it happens. So so let's see. Like if, if we're like... like Bit like struck by like loads of injuries, then you can apply obviously context, obviously. But say if we had a fully fit squad and, and we were nowhere near, then I think there's definitely questions to ask for sure. Mm. 
Yeah, I think it's a it's funny when you when you, I don't like these ultimatums mm. um, because you know life and football is just way more nuanced than this, right? It shouldn't be boom if you if you don't achieve X, you need to be gone. I think the manner in which you do it um, says a lot about the caliber of your manager. When you're deciding whether a manager should continue or not, it's it's about how they're going to perform in the future. I think with Wenger, the reason he stayed so long was I think people were looking at what he had done in the past and hoping he could get back to that level without necessarily looking at whether or not they think, okay, next season when Klopp is here, when Pep is here, is this guy on that level? Can he compete with these guys to win a title um, or compete with the best? And I think when you're looking at Arteta, you have to have that same analysis. It's not, right, oh, we didn't do it this season. It's next season, if we give him more money and we continue, is he equipped to compete with the best and, you know, take us to where we want to be going forward. Um, and how the season has gone obviously feeds into that. So um, I don't think it should be scoped entirely on winning because, you know, when you're up against Pep, Pep wins. You know, that's been proven for his entire managerial career. This guy's been managing uh, 13 years uh, or 14 years, won 11 league titles, you know, um, in the entire 14 years. You've, you've needed to do a mad team to, to, to not win... Um, to, 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 to win a title over Pep. So if we don't win the PL and Pep goes up, slaps our head again, I'm not going to say that means you shouldn't be manager of Arsenal because then I'm going to ask you, who are you getting in that you can rely on to comfortably compete with Pep Guardiola every single year and beat him to a title, bank it, you know? I think that's going to be a very short list if anyone on that list at all um, in, in, in managerial terms today. Champions League is, is, is a lottery as well. So I don't think you can analyse it on that. I think you need to see some KPIs, how we perform, how many goals we score, how many points we get, what um, what are our exits like, who are we going out to, um, how are we going out for these tournaments as well. So, yeah, um, this, all, this all factors in. So original Jimbo, he says, do you feel that Arteta is too slow to adapt? took him ages to change the game with Suns, taking him ages to withdraw Saka when he's been struggling, taking him ages to learn how to perform well away from home in Europe. Will this be his downfall as a manager? Uh, so the first one was ages to do proactive subs, yeah. I think that can be a fair criticism at times. Um, ages to sub Saka, yeah. I've, I've been in that camp as well. Uh, sub him, yeah. So, and the the Europe thing, um, I think I've said with Pet, you, you've said Europe's a bit of a different beast, and and also we keep having to come back sometimes to remember that we've got a rookie coach. Do you know what I mean? So, but where I give Arteta credit is that more often than not, our position is improved year on year. So, uh, my hope is that he will he improve on this as well. So, so yeah. So whilst it can be slow and a bit annoying at times, I think. It's always a teething issue, right? When you decide to let, like, generally, like we've let <laughs> a uni student learn on the job. So this is this is this is what's happened. Comes with the territory. So, yeah, it comes with the territory. And, the territory. Yeah. and I think if you give that context, I actually think he's quite a fast learner. Yeah, personally, yeah. overall. Um, so you know, I think Europe is very difficult. You look at Wenger. I don't think he ever learned how to play well away in Europe. Full stop. Um, you know, I think the one time. We went on that really good run in Champions League. It was when he focused on on us defending. We kept so many clean sheets um, mm. in that run, and then he just never did it again. You know, for whatever reason, just never did it again. Um, and um, you look at Pep in Europe. 
as you said, that he didn't win anything since 2011. He was going out to Leon, to Tottenham, to Liverpool. Um, I can't remember who was the other. There was another one as well. The, Mon the Monaco team that time. Yeah, Monaco slapped them as well. So, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm saying it sometimes takes managers a few slappings before they, they get rid of this stubbornness. So, you know, um, this is our first year back in the Champions League. I didn't expect it to go smoothly. Um, and, and, uh and and also even just even just that like look Fergie won like two Champions Leagues in well over like two decades do you know what I mean so it's not that it's not something like Champions League is not something you win every year do you know what I mean so it's uh like yeah but I I, I hear the criticism criticism but you know like you just celebrate it's not like a league where you're you're gonna win it every year do you know what I mean unless obviously you're Real Madrid and that's just heritage like they're they're different but you know if everyone else rather you collect your one Champions League maybe two in life you're happy in it so so yeah mm, yeah yeah so uh follow fifo says whilst praying brilliantly is the lack of progressive passes from rice compounding our attacking issues along with Havertz, of course yeah i, I mean I, I think generally we've changed two-thirds of our midfield from last season so that's always going to throw up some teething issues, right? Um, I do think, and we said, we do miss parties' verticality a, a bit, in my opinion. Um, and obviously, you know, we've spoken loads on habits. So when you take out two com two thirds of your components of midfield last season, I think it's natural that there's gonna it's gonna take a while to get up to speed with what you want. Um, so yeah, it's fair enough. But obviously, the manager's gonna live and die by the decisions he's made. Do you know what I mean? So he chose to rebuild. You know, you spent 170 mil on these two, so it, it's got to work, man. You got to find a way to make it work. Yeah, I think I think the rice thing, you know, in the first half especially, I think we needed a bit more oomph from him from centre mid, and it seemed that you know you can do it when we're losing, kind of thing. And I think we need that when we're when we're sort of level as well. Yeah. Um, so so you know, I think that's something that will come with time with him that. You can be conservative, but you can also blame it, you know. Um, you can also blame it because sometimes that's what the game needs. Um, I think Jorginho, especially, um, has shown that he's got a... F the thing with Rice is, I think he's a very, he's a good passer, but he doesn't necessarily back himself with a final ball. Whereas mm. I think Party, Jorginho, even more so than Party, I think they back themselves with a final ball. They try and say, boom, I'm going to try and get an assist now. Kind of thing. I'm going to try and find someone in behind, and I'm not sure if Rice has actually necessarily got that in his game. It might, maybe it's there, and it's he, he is just you know sort of playing more conservative. But that's something I've not necessarily seen it, and I think he needs to maybe add that to it. Add that because I think the best deep line playmakers they can hit you with a defense splitter as well. You know, um, uh, like Mike one nine six again. He says, "What do we do about Havertz?" doesn't offer anything on the pitch and nobody will be dumb enough to pay what we paid plus his wages. I'm tired, man. We've already spoken about it, bro. <laughs> question, bro. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. He's here to stay. I'll probably just play him up front or not play him at all. I'm not going to lie. That's, that's, that's where we are with him, I think. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That that one is really spinning me because it's just like it's just not something that we needed to do. It's just not something that we needed to do at all. You know, if, if I said to you, name me an attacking midfielder that you can sign 
this summer, 65 M's is your budget. I don't think a single soul would have said sign Kai Havertz. I do not think a single person would say that. You know, not one. Um, so, so yeah, I'm I'm completely spun. Completely, completely spun by that one. Um, so finally, Jump Dan's question. He says predictions for the city game, lineup and result. Uh <laughs> predictions in terms, uh I, I think I think Rye will start. Mm. Um it's fine, not an issue for me. Uh back four's easy, white Gabriel Saliba, and I think I would go with Tommy. Uh, just because I saw Doku didn't start this evening. <laughs> I'm assuming that brother is starting at the weekend, so we need to prepare for him. I don't know what wing he's going to play on, whether that's left or right, but yeah, so we need to prepare for my man because he gets me shook. Uh, midfield, I can't lie to you, I need I need party in there. So I need party, Rice and Erdegaard in that midfield. That is, that is a midfield I will feel confident in, very, very confident in. And uh, if Saka's fit, obviously Saka, Jesus, and who plays on the left? I guess Trossard. Even though I'm not really keen on it, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not keen on it. I'll be honest with you. Um, but if Saka's not fit, then I'll put Jesus uh, on the right. Maybe like yeah, maybe even though I don't, maybe like Havertz up top, and maybe Trossard on the left. Um, so yeah, that's. Something, something, something along those lines. I think. Um, I, I, I think because I remember Eddie's performance at home to them last season, and he missed a few chances, and he wasn't that good, if I remember correctly. And I think City centre backs are so physical, so you need to be able to move those guys. Whether that's you're going tussle, you're going machine for machine with them, or you're trying to stretch them in behind. So, um, and they're they're guys, they're good defenders, they're quick defenders. So, yeah, it's going to be tough, man gonna be tough but that's that's me and and well we need to win man we need to win then i if, if saka's not there then i definitely don't have confidence in us winning but let's see man let's see yeah it could get very techy man it could get very techy so uh line up yeah i think i think i'll be the same um i'm not too sure what i would do um at fullback because i think doku he can play either side and Zinchenko or Ben White, one of them is going to hold a cooking from him. You know, um, I'm not sure that we have enough there. I don't want to see Kivio play either. Um, so I think that is City's main threat, obviously, with Haaland as well. Um, you know, so they I know there's talk about Rodri uh, being missing and all of this stuff. And I think this is a big opportunity for us um, to finally get something um, from them. So that midfield battle is going to be super duper key, but I'm kind of shook about our back line battling theirs, uh, their front one. You know, um, I think our centre-backs will be all right. I think they'll have good games. They normally do. Um, but yeah, I think it could be could be a techie one. Could be a techie one. Um, prediction. Prediction. God, God will provide. That's my prediction, bro. <laughs> uh, I need a score. I, 
Paul, uh, if Zaka plays, I'm doing El Posey and go 2 1. If Zaka doesn't play, boy, we might lose still. We might lose yeah. 2 1. These <laughs> man, these man and their bozo gene at home as well. Yeah, yeah. And all, yeah. And yeah. And we don't have a good record against City. So, in fact, we have an absolutely abysmal record against City. Mm. These man and their bozo gene is uh, rattling me. I, I'm going to pray. You know, I'm going to absolutely pray um, that that we can get something out of this game. I was pretty confident um, coming into this without Rodri, but that Lons game has sort of deflated me a little bit. But I'm going to go with you. I'm going to say 2-1. I'm going to say, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say 3-1 to Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I've lost my head, but hey. okay, I'm just going to stick to my original prediction. I'm going to pretend Lons didn't happen. I'm going to say 3 1, um, and Saka's going to play. So, yeah, that's what I'm basing on. That's what I'm basing on. Right. Just pure, less, bro. pure hope, man. Pure hope. It's pure, so, pure, pure, pure copium, boy. <laughs> pure copium. Yeah, listeners, you guys let us know your predictions. Let me know how crazy I am for saying 3 1 um, as well. Uh, Always make sure to drop a like. Spotify have actually also opened up leaving reviews um, on the on, on the podcast app itself as well. So um, make sure you do drop that, leave a five-star review. Let us know your thoughts on the pod as well. Um, as I said, you can listen to this if you haven't already, but you can listen to this ad-free on Patreon. Um, if bird dogs are getting on your nerves, you know, jump in a Patreon, you get the post matches as well as the other scouting videos and other content that we do on the Patreon as well. Um, otherwise, we'll catch you after Sunday, um, where hopefully um, we come out as uh, probably maybe top of the league, I think, if we beat Man City, you know. So, um, you know, big, big game. Big, big game, a lot on the line. Peace out. Sports Social Podcast Network.